0: The human mind is the most powerful pharmacy in the world because, and I say this very specifically, it's not bioidentical. It's literally designed for you. The chemicals being secreted are designed for your receptor sites based on your perception of reality. So every correlating thought that we have has correlating chemistry.
1: Hi, I'm Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, the School for Human Transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley Podcast where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast today. We're going to be discussing a topic that is so relevant in this era. Our guest today is Sean Stevenson. Sean Stevenson is the, the remarkable man behind one of my favorite podcasts in the world, The Model Health Show. He's also the author of two books that I've discussed previously on Mind Valley, Sleep Smarter and Eat Smarter. Today we're going to be focused on Eat Smarter that just came out. Here's the subtitle of the book because it tells you what is the topic of today's conversation. Use the power of food to reboot your metabolism, upgrade your brain, and transform your life. I'm 20% true with Eat Smarter. It is not a book. You can speed read. I normally speed read my books, but Eat Smarter is so much detail, has so much in depth knowledge. It's the kind of book you read slowly, but it's the kind of book that when you practice what you learn from it, it changes your life. Sean, welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Firstly, we are recording this in front of a live audience. They are, well, now it's 287 people who are live with us. So for those of you who are live, we're going to do this. I'm going to open up a Q&A box. And as we continue our conversation with Sean, you'll be able to ask questions. Let's keep the questions on Eat Smarter and on the topic of food and nutrition in general. Now, if you see a question that you like, you can upvote the question. And the top questions are going to be addressed to Sean. I'll be bringing many of you live to ask the questions. I'm laughing at the question that just came in. Please do more stand-ups. You're talking about stand-up comedy? Sean, we just had Jason Goldberg on. You met Jason Goldberg. He did a little bit of stand-up comedy. No expectations there. You don't have to do stand-up comedy. You could take off your shirt and flex. I'm sure that will make a couple of...
0: (laughs) We'll see where this goes. We'll see how much you get me in the mood. So Sean, look, let's begin with your story. I know your story, but I want you to share that with the audience here. Sure. You know, I grew up in, the majority of my life, I actually lived in Ferguson, Missouri, which is kind of become famous or infamous for some just social political issues. You know, there's a lot going on there, but I was just really immersed in fast food culture, in poor health, in lack of access to gyms and parks and things like, I didn't even know, what a yoga studio was like! This was something that's not in my paradigm, and so growing up in this atmosphere, for me, the only people that I really seen quote make it were athletes, and so that was my way, you know. So I went to one of the top schools in the state, which just turned out professional athletes, and things were looking great for me. Vision, really, really good. I ran a four five forty, which is an NFL combine level time. When I was just a kid, I was just fifteen years old, and I was starting running back you know, returning kicks and punts and just everything was looking really great. But it was during track season when I was 15 years old that everything started to break down. I was doing a 200 meter time trial, which is just me and one other person and with my coach and sprinting around the track. And as I was coming off the curve into the straightaway in my sprint, my hip actually broke. And it was the tip of my iliac crest just broke off. At the time I didn't know what happened. I just thought, I don't know, maybe I pulled a muscle. I'd never been hurt before. And I went to the physician a couple of days later and he took an x-ray and they could see the tip of my bone floating off in space. And he looked at it and he was like, oh, there's the problem. But vision, what I experienced then was something called standard of care, which is here's some NSAIDs, here's some crutches, stay off the leg. And that's pretty much it, you'll heal up. But nobody stopped to ask, how did a 15 year old kid break his hip from running? Which is incredibly abnormal. Fast forward, I have about half a dozen more injuries take place that kept me off the football field, kept me off the track. And it just completely diminished my goal in life and really my driving force to go to college and to possibly play professional sports. So number one, my identity was shattered. And number two, finally I get this diagnosis when I was 20 of degenerative disc disease. So the disc in between my vertebrae were deteriorated so much so that they looked like crispy little black pieces of baloney. I also had two herniated discs that had me in a lot of pain. It had a degenerative kind of arthritic condition with my bones. My bone density was so low, that's why my hip broke. And at the time, it's just like, why would this be happening? I'm drinking a lot of milk, you know, the commercials say drink milk, it's got calcium for strong bones. I'm guzzling milk like I'm getting paid for it. Why is this not working? And the physician at the time, I don't share this part of the story as often as I should, but I need to say this more often. I asked him for whatever reason, I had no grounds to ask him this. I asked him, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? And he told me this has nothing to do with what you're eating. This is just something that happens. And I'm sorry that it happened to you. We're going to get you some medication. We're going to give you bed rest so you don't have to go to school and go to work. I'm sorry, son, that this is just something you're going to have to live with. My physician at the time, he was obese. And he was telling me that food didn't matter. He wasn't trying to be malicious is just the way that he thought and the way that he was trained. And this is something we'll talk about a little bit later in the context of Eat Smarter, but to make a long story short, what he implicated in my life was something called the nocebo effect. And what many people, I think we might've talked about this before, but placebos are incredibly important. And this is something that you guys really talk about as well. The placebo in clinical trials, a lot of people don't realize this, they're 33 to 40% effective on average. So this is just the belief that a particular drug or treatment or surgery is going to heal you to create a therapeutic effect, even though it's not real. So somebody in a clinical trial for a drug that's going to lower their blood sugar and normalize their blood sugar, say it's a fake metformin, Mm -hmm. 33% of the time to 40% of the time, it's effective simply by the mind, believing that it's effective. One of the big takeaways from today is this, the human mind is the most powerful pharmacy in the world, because and I say this very specifically, it's not bioidentical, it's literally designed for you. The chemicals being secreted are designed for your receptor sites, based on your perception of reality. And so every correlating thought that we have has correlating chemistry. And so getting a nocebo effect, which is a negative injunction, this is when you hear, "You'll never walk again. This is incurable. You have six weeks to live. And these are things that I saw in my clinical practice all the time. People that made their way to me were told these things, including myself being told that this was incurable and believing that because getting that from an authority figure, it bypasses the operation of the more executive part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, responsible for social control, distinguishing between right and wrong, forethought. It gets right to your subconscious. And so I went for the next two years, just a downward spiral. And this is the end of the story. I gained a lot of weight not doing anything because they gave me permission to. I was eating what I call affectionately the tough diet, typical university food, and just making my body out of this very low quality stuff that I've been doing since I was a child, literally making my spine out of McDonald's and Cheetos, literally making my bones out of ramen noodles and canned ravioli on a daily basis. The food that you eat is the raw materials building your body, but everything changed. And it's a very simple thing, and I don't want people to miss this. For those two years, I've been having this habitual question. And this is something our mutual friend, Jim Quick, we talk about a lot. The power of questions. Questions really are the answer. My dominant question that I was asking all the time, many times as unconscious, was why me? Why won't somebody help me? Your brain, it's an instinctual reflex. It's called instinctive elaboration. So this instinctive elaboration, I talk about this in Eat Smarter as well, but here's the thing. Once I realized that my physician, even though he meant well, my four physicians that I saw over the course of this two years, they meant well, but they don't walk in my shoes. And they're literally
1: telling me. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought How to have it all. How to do things differently. How to master the human experience from a mind, body and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way
0: it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. I can't get better and I want to get better. So we're not on the same page. And in that moment, I decided and I changed the question. I asked, I asked, how can I get better? How can I get better? Whereas before I was already believing that I couldn't get better and asking why somebody won't help me. And so this is the cherry on top end of the story. I'll just fast forward this part. So over the course of the next nine months, my life changed dramatically. I changed the way that I was eating. I changed my movement practices All of those things showed up great for me when I laid my head down at night, which was my biggest struggle. I was not sleeping well. Sometimes I wake up every 30 minutes in pain and I had to be on all these different medications just to sleep at night. But when I changed what I was doing during the day, I started sleeping better at night. And if you're not sleeping, you're not healing. So when I started sleeping well, man, I got better so quick. Nine months later, I got a scan done and my two herniated disc had retracted and the degeneration of my disc, now I could see the light shining through them. The degeneration was reversed and my spine looked like that of a normal, healthy young person, a normal, healthy kid. My course of study in college shifted over to biology, kinesiology. I opened my clinical practice. Eventually when I graduated as a nutritionist, I worked with thousands of people as a strength and conditioning coach and nutritionist. We started the Model Health Show, the books, and now I'm here with you guys today. It's amazing how you discovered that because so many people
1: fall into that trap of a misdiagnosis. And what you said really struck me, especially when you said, when we see someone in a white doctor's coat tell us that something is so, it creates a belief in us that is so strong that we can manifest the illness. I was talking to my ex-wife, Christina, recently. We have a 13-year-old son together. Hayden, my son, when he was around four or five, he was diagnosed with asthma. This was by one doctor. So a doctor told us Our son had a form of allergy. It was asthma and that he would have to be on, what's that breathing device called? Inhalers. An inhaler, probably for the rest of his life. And so we bought an inhaler and we learned about all the side effects. You know, my son may never be good at sports. His growth is going to be stunted because if you use an inhaler, you don't grow as tall as you should be. And somehow Christina had a maternal instinct that something was off, that she couldn't trust this doctor. We were living in Malaysia back then. We flew to Europe. And we went to an Estonian doctor. And Estonian doctors are trained in a very interesting way. They don't over-prescribe medicine. Estonia doesn't have that situation in the US where doctors are bribed, for lack of a better word, by big pharma to prescribe pills. So Estonian doctors tend to be very conservative with their prescription. And the Estonian doctor said, you know what? Get him off the inhaler. I doubt he has asthma. It's probably just a dust mite allergy. So we went home. We got a vacuum cleaner. We basically cleaned every every aspect of the house, and we still kept an inhaler in case it was true, in case Hayden suddenly had an attack. One year elapsed, he didn't have a single attack. And today, my son, I'm so proud of him because we just got back from a scuba diving trip, and he was able to scuba dive all the way to 10 meters, and he wouldn't be able to do that if he had asthma. But that one doctor, I trust that Dr. meant well, but that one diagnosis would have taken so much away from my son's life stunted his growth, prevented him from ever going into sports, prevented him from going into scuba diving. And so it's so important that we get that second opinion. It's so important that we do our own research. What you said is so cool because I'm holding up. So for those of you who are on the podcast, you can't see this right now, but I'm holding up Sean's book, Sleep Smarter. And what you're seeing over here are my highlights in the book. So you can see everything I learned from Sean. Look at the number of highlights. Like this is a book that has so many life-changing benefits that you got to read this with a highlighter. I'm highlighting it on my iPad. I'm 20% true, eat smarter, and it's equally mind-blowing. So I definitely want to recommend that you guys invest in both these books, Sleep Smarter and Eat Smarter. Sean, before I ask you about Eat Smarter, just a little word of advice to those of you who are gonna be reading Sean's books. I know this is the Mind Valley community and so many of us speed read. I now read a book in like two or three hours, right? But Sean's book, it really, really, really educates you. You wanna read it slow, you wanna take notes, you wanna decide how you want to change your life. And so you wanna read this book with a notepad and with a highlighter, and you wanna take it slow. It takes me about twice as long to read one of your books as a regular book, Sean.
0: That's powerful. That's an incredible testament. The way that I wrote as well is for transformative information, but also in a way, as you just said, it's kind of slow down, but also in a way that's entertaining. It's funny. It's encouraging and incredibly insightful. It hits you and you got to change your life. By the way, do you guys notice, I want you guys
1: to comment. Yes. If you've noticed the sheer amount of water and tea I drink when I'm on a podcast, have you guys noticed that I'm always drinking a glass of water. People are saying, yes, like everyone who watches my live talks, I always have a glass with me. It's a thing, like I drink an unusual amount of water. Now, can you guess where that came from, Sean? Remember the interview we did two years ago in Portugal, when you spoke about water as a healing agent, water as something that all of us have to consume more? Absolutely. So, is so, a great time. So that is an example of where a simple idea from Sean has transformed my behavior and made me healthier, and so Sean just wanted to give credit where it's due. You've been a major influence on my health. I'm proud to recommend your books and your ideas to everyone here in Mind Valley. Thank you. It's an honor, truly. So, for those of you who are listening, just a quick reminder: the Q and A is now open. Now, what I want to do over here is I want to answer questions on food from the audience, and. I don't want to answer the typical questions like, don't ask, is milk bad? Okay, because we all know
0: <laughs> milk has no nutritional benefit. Let's get more controversial, shall we? While we do that, while you identify a good question, I want to share something, just in case folks might have missed the segment that we did on water. And I'll share a little bit of the new updated data that's in Eat Smarter because it's one of the five macronutrients our major macronutrients that people don't talk about. There's a debate about fats, proteins, and carbohydrates all the time, but alcohol and water are also macronutrients. And one of the studies that I broke down in Eat Smarter, just how much and how simple this is to improve our cognitive function. And it was a study, this was cited in medicine and science and sports and exercise, found that just a 2% drop in your body's baseline hydration level can lead to impairments and tasks requiring attention motor coordination, executive function, what we just talked about earlier with the nocebo effect, which includes things like grammatical reasoning, proofreading, mental math, all these simple processes that we take for granted, you know, just remembering where something is in your house, all those things start to get suppressed when you're dehydrated. It is a very, very powerful thing. And so many people, especially in our space, they're looking for what is that next new nootropic what is that thing I could take to give me that limitless brain? The right. number one thing is water. Your brain is literally made mostly of right. water. It's 80% water, but there's a rub here as well because it's not just the water itself. And by the way, there's something really interesting about the brain. It has what's called the blood brain barrier. So we've got an external protective mechanism which is your skull, your cranium, which again, just through evolution, your brain is so important. It's the only organ fully encased in hard bone. So it takes it very seriously. But there's also an internal security system called the blood-brain barrier, and only allows in very specific nutrients. We call it neuronutrition. Your brain has its own separate diet from the rest of your body in many ways. And getting past the blood-brain barrier, I like to think of it like a toll booth. The person working at all the toll booths are like clones of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You're not getting by him unless you actually got the permission slip, all right? But there are also express lanes like toll booths tend to have where things that can just fly right past without much notice, which water is one of those things. Within just minutes of you drinking water, it is shuttling right to your brain. And so with that said, it's not just the water, because being a water-based organism, specifically talking about your brain, it's the conductivity of that water. And this brings into the conversation the importance of electrolytes. This is so important and so freaking overlooked this enables signal transduction between your brain cells. So your cells being able to talk to each other. So it's pretty important. Just take sodium, for example. And again, I'll detail this more in Eat Smarter, but researchers at McGill University found that sodium functions as an on-off switch in the brain, specifically for neurotransmitters that support optimal function for things that protect your brain against numerous diseases like neuropathic pain, epilepsy, the list goes on and on. And one other thing I'll share really quickly, this was published in the journal Neuron, that magnesium, which is another electrolyte, Mm -hmm. is able to restore critical brain plasticity and improve cognitive function. And there was a double-blind placebo-controlled study, and this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, found that improving magnesium levels in adult test subjects who had noted cognitive decline, they were between 50 and 70, could potentially reverse their brain aging by nine years. This is looking at the brain itself. And this is the number one mineral deficiency in our country, about 60% of Americans are chronically deficient in magnesium. Literally our brains are not working, they're not able to
1: fire. This is so cool. So we're gonna do something here. I'm gonna bring up in front of this camera all the supplements which I'm currently taking. And I wanna get your view on this, okay? hang tight for a second. Now, in the meanwhile, while I'm just going to go and grab my entire supplement stack, because I think that that's a key lesson here. There's a question that's coming up that's somewhat controversial. I don't know how you're going to address this, Sean, in a way that may not offend someone. But the question is, is the
0: vegan diet actually healthy? Go ahead and answer. (laughs) Mic drop. All right. So for me, I'm a scientist and I've been in this space for 20 years. So I always like to go back and look at where an idea came from, where a concept came from. If you look at human evolution, we haven't really had a culture that we have some really good data on that has been strictly vegan. Not to say that it can't be effective, but we just need to start with that template. We do have cultures that have been primarily vegetarian, for sure. There's many cultures in India, for example, that have been able to be successful in a vegetarian protocol. So we need to take all of this into consideration and to honor and to acknowledge all the different aspects and different variations and colors of humanity and all the different things that we've done. We've definitely lost touch with the connection, you know, if you think of the Native Americans, when eating off the land and consuming animal foods like buffalo and how it was more of a an understanding of the relationship that life is providing and letting that live on through their life force. And there was more of a spiritual connection, even though there is death involved. But the same thing happens with us as humans. If we were kind of operating in a natural flow of things, we would become food. We would become food for soil and for microbes, and we would be recycled and put back into this circle of life. And so this is getting into some very powerful kind of meta perspective. But ultimately, what I want folks to understand is that humans are incredibly resilient. We can make just about any diet protocol work, which we have. We've survived on Twinkies. And we've also survived on pure raw food-based diets, which, and by the way, guys, when I'm talking about this stuff, you're not just talking to somebody who's theorizing that this is effective. I did 100% raw food, vegan for three years, vegan five years, keto for one year, paleo three years, I can go on and on and on. And the Twinkie diet, that was my whole life until the age of about 22, all right? Twinkies and Big Macs. So I've done these things and I've studied them. I've studied the results. I've seen this in my clinical practice as well. We can make any diet work. However, what is optimal? And this gets us away from the frameworks a little bit. And I know all these guys are my friends and colleagues. So the person who is the most popular ketogenic proponent, the most popular carnivore proponent, the most popular vegan proponent, these are all my friends and colleagues. And this is the big point I want you guys to get in this conversation is that these guys who might be at the end of the spectrum, it's not that they're trying to be negligent and spiteful and maliciously hurt people. They're actually getting results for patients who oftentimes can't get results anywhere else. And they're sharing that data. But what they don't share is that there's always a large portion of people who don't get results following their framework. All of these frameworks are wonderful and have value. But what I want people to do, and Eat Smarter, this is the whole purpose behind the book, it's inclusive. We've got to stop all of this infighting on minutiae because the vast majority of citizens are eating fake food. Let's transition to some of the most important tenets that make every single diet successful, whether it's a vegan diet or whether it's a... Mediterranean diet or paleo diet? What are the things that make every diet framework successful? And what are the things that can make any of these diets harmful and actually imprison us? It's a big question to answer. And there's more there, but Vision's back. I see he's chomping at the bit to ask me some questions. So I'll pass it back to you. So, firstly, those of you who are curious more
1: on the concept of water, if you're a Mind Valley member, log into your Mind Valley platform on the web. It's home.mindvalley.com click on channels, click on mentoring, and watch the episode on the power of water. It's 35 minutes, it's with Sean Stevenson. It's a beautifully produced episode and it'll change the way you consume water. This is the reason why whenever you see me on any interview, on any podcast, I always have a glass of water. Now, Sean, this is my supplement stack, okay? Now, this is literally what I take. I don't take every supplement every single day, but I wanna hold up some of the popular supplements that I've heard or people have advised me to take, and I wanna get your opinion. Okay. Now, the first thing is I never believed in pills or supplements. In 2014, I was having dinner with Jack Canfield. Jack Canfield, for those of you who don't know, was the guy who wrote the chicken soup for the soul series of books. He sold a hundred million books. This is obviously a really smart man. In 2014, when I met Jack, he was 69 years old. We were staying in a hotel together, we were attending a conference and we woke up in the morning and we had breakfast together. And alongside his breakfast, Jack started popping these pills. And I asked Jack, that's a lot of pills. And he goes, yeah. And he mentioned to me that he was taking something like 30 pills a day. And I asked him, that's insane. And I attributed this to just, you know, marketing. But Jack explained to me that so much of American food is lacking in nutrition. And that he's researched all of these pills, and each of these pills keeps him mentally optimized and help extend his lifespan. I've known Jack now. He's now 76 years old, and he's still at the peak of his game. So I went from a disbeliever to starting to understand that supplements matter. Back in 2014, I knew Jack about food. So I want to hold up a couple of things, and let's start with magnesium. Okay. I want to get your advice so that people here who are listening also have some idea on what they should be paying attention to. So magnesium, what I have here is magnesium yes. glycinate. You yeah. mentioned that this is necessary. I take this before going to bed. And is it true
0: that magnesium helps you sleep better? Magnesium is responsible for over 650 biochemical processes that we are aware of. Wow. Just two or three years ago, we thought it was around 350. It is so important. And what that means is that's 650 things your body can't do or can't do efficiently if you're deficient in magnesium. And many of these processes involved the activation and kind of running and management of your parasympathetic, quote, rest and digest nervous system and the deactivation and management of your sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. Basically, magnesium has a lot to do with your body's management of stress. And right now, very simple answer, I just want you to think about this. Are we more or less stressed as a society right now than we were, we'll just say, a year or two ago. We're more stressed than ever. And so magnesium gets siphoned and utilized by your body so quickly. This is why it's important to keep replenishing magnesium. It's the number one mineral deficiency. Again, almost 60% of Americans are chronically deficient in magnesium. Magnesium glycinate, is that useful? This is a very, very big takeaway, Fission. When I went to my private university, very expensive pre-med track, My nutritional science class was an elective. I did not have to take nutrition, but I just happened to take it because I thought nutrition had something to do with fitness. I thought that if I learn about this, it's going to make me more fit. But again, my teacher was bordering on obesity. He was a brilliant guy, but he was doing the things that he was teaching and it wasn't working for him. At the time we were taught everything low fat, low fat was the moniker. It was the thing, have every patient you work with cut their fat, and also eat seven to 11 servings of whole grains. Regardless of your microbiome, regardless of your ancestry, you gotta just, everything brown gets going down, everything white's not right. Like just eliminate that and you're gonna win. But here's the thing, this is the big point I'm trying to make. We were also taught to have patients to take a multivitamin, right? Make sure they get their vitamins and minerals, very cookie cutter stuff. Here's the problem. That was over 20 years ago. Today we know, for example, there's not just one magnesium. So when you take in a specific magnesium supplement or uh, magnesium in a multi, is that the magnesium that you really need? Is that the one that you can metabolize well? Because there are so many forms of it. There are multiple forms of B12. There's like four forms of B12 that we know about. There's multiple versions of vitamin C. There's multiple versions of omega-3s. There's multiple versions of vitamin A. I can go on and on and on. That's the power of food because food tends to have a variety of the different compounds and biopotentiators so not to say most of the people coming into my clinical practice the two things that i would actually prescribe the most were magnesium and a probiotic there's some nuance with probiotic that we can hopefully get to today Mm -hmm. but magnesium was one of those things that i did recommend for folks to supplement but today this was many years since my clinical practice there's nuance there as well you know i do want people to target food first so, I'm just going to throw out some good sources of magnesium that you'll find in food. Anything green, mm-hmm. colors are an indicator of nutritional component in foods. Anything green is going to be a great source of magnesium. So, leafy green vegetables, spirulina, if we talk about like super dense right. sources of nutrition, but also chocolate is a great source of magnesium. But you want, of course, you want to get the high quality. <laughs> It's a great source of magnesium. It's also a great source of tryptophan as well, which is a precursor to building serotonin, which is a precursor to building melatonin. I go on and on about chocolate. Nuts and seeds, things like almonds, hemp seeds. I can go on and on. But here's the thing. In relationship to sleep, to answer your question, one of the studies that I outlined, I had to talk about this in Eat Smarter. This was a double-blind placebo-controlled trial, gold standard of clinical Mm -hmm. testing. Done on folks with noted sleep problems, aka insomniacs, and seeing by simply improving their magnesium levels, ended up improving their overall sleep efficiency, reducing wake after sleep onset, which means they wake up less often. All manner of things got better by including more magnesium. Now, I want to go through a couple of others.
1: So obviously, you're a big fan of magnesium. You're a big fan of drinking water. Let's talk about this,
0: GABA. We hear a lot about GABA. What is your verdict? So GABA, same thing. These are things that your body will produce. Mm-hmm. There's a big relationship between GABA and phospholipids and omega-3s. Like these are all operating on these regulatory mechanisms for mm-hmm. cognitive performance, for relaxation, for sleep quality. GABA is one of those things that definitely is in my toolkit when I'm working with folks, adult ADHD, children with ADHD, ADHD. It's been found to be very effective for helping to manage focus, improving Mm -hmm. sleep quality as well. This gets into the chrono science, right? So the timing of certain supplements as well can make a big difference.
1: So magnesium at night before going to bed, GABA, is that something we take in the morning or before sleeping?
0: This is going to be a little bit more situation dependent. Same thing with magnesium. But as a general, yeah, magnesium will be closer to bedtime. GABA can be taken, I would say, kind of midday. Okay, let's talk about vitamin D. It comes in several formats. I
1: have, this is a dropper. This is something you place it under your tongue. This is a pill, D3. This is yet another form of vitamin D. Got to take a lot of vitamin D because I'm a brown skin person living in Northern Europe where during the winter, there isn't enough sunlight.
0: Sean, your verdict on vitamin D. We've got over 15 studies now in relationship of looking at vitamin D in relationship to the virus that's kind of on the tip of our mm-hmm. tongues right, right. now. And one of the most alarming studies, and this is, again, one of our most prestigious peer-reviewed journals, found that folks who ended up in the ICU consistently, so this was taking a meta-analysis of different hospitals, were are 20 times more likely to be admitted to the ICU if you're deficient in vitamin D. This is a big manager of our immune system. It's a big manager of not just our immune system, but also regulatory of our sleep. It's kind of considered to be like a sunshine hormone but it's a regulator. So let me actually give a big umbrella of what vitamin D is. The name vitamin D can throw you off because it's not technically a vitamin. Operates more as a hormone in our body, but it has many other aspects as well in relationships to neuropeptides, neurotransmitters. There's a close relationship with all that with vitamin D, but it's a big regulator of melatonin, for example, is a regulator, not just of your sleep, Me being in this field for so long and seeing all the news about melatonin, I think it's a big disservice. Saying melatonin is good for your sleep is like saying Michael Jordan is good at putting a ball into a circle. It's missing a lot of context. Melatonin is a master regulator of your circadian rhythm. Melatonin determines when other hormones are getting produced throughout the day. Vitamin D is very similar in that. It's a regulator of other hormones and influence of other hormones. Also, vitamin D is important for building your blood, for formation of bone. I can go on and on. It's definitely one of the most important. Food first. Again, guys, food first.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, by holding up supplements, I'm in no way saying that all of you should be investing in supplements. Food first, right? But the fact of the matter is for many people, Access to food, access to really healthy, nutritious food is going to be hard. When I hold up a supplement, please, I'm not acknowledging the supplement. I'm holding it up as a learning tool so we understand in what forms these supplements come in and what it looks like. Now, you mentioned melatonin. Would you recommend melatonin as a daily supplement?
0: All right. So there was a theory along with my colleagues about taking melatonin, potentially downregulating your body's own production your endogenous production of melatonin, but that's not what the data shows. However, what the data shows is that haphazardly taking too much melatonin and too frequently down regulates your receptor sites for melatonin. So this means that your body can still produce it. You can keep taking it, right. but the receptor site to actually do the process, regulating your sleep, regulating your other hormones, that's going to get down regulated. So we need to be very mindful and cognizant to not overdo it with melatonin. So that's Got one it. of the big tenets. Got so it. micro dosing and or using it in spot instances. I'm a big fan of like when you're changing time zones or traveling or yeah. maybe you've had a tough week and a couple rough nights of sleep just to get things back on track. There's definitely a place for all of these things. And again, so. melatonin before going to bed, right? Yeah. So maybe 30 minutes before bed, Is going to be okay for most people. Again, if it was working with somebody as an individual, we would identify where that would be a little bit more. Now, Sean, let's
1: talk about 5-HTP. This is one of my favorite supplements. I found that it makes me a lot more resilient to stress. It puts me in Mm -hmm. elevated moods. What is
0: your take on 5-HTP? Yeah, I actually talked about 5-HTP in Sleep Smarter in my first book. That's where I learned about it. That's so awesome. Many of the things you just mentioned, it's a great modulator of stress. It's also, this is a big takeaway for everybody as well, is that nothing in our body works in a vacuum. Many things are working together in, in synergy. So when we talk about melatonin, for example, I'm a big fan of taking precursors to melatonin to give your body some opportunity to help to build it itself. Mm-hmm. So serotonin is a precursor, then tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin there are many wonderful food sources ranging from you know plant-based to animal-based. A lot of people know about turkey for being a great source of tryptophan, but also lobster, nuts and seeds, hemp seeds, for example. Spirulina is another good source of tryptophan. So 5-HTP helps it kind of function as a precursor to building our sleep-related hormones and neurotransmitters and also precursor to helping to modulate stress. But this is one of those things that it's on that timeline where you can take it in the morning and it's not going to make you drowsy or sleepy. It's just going to kind of help you to be more focused, stable, help to reduce stress, all that good stuff. I've actually found that 5-HTP of
1: every supplement I'm taking, folks, I've found 5 be the one that's the most beneficial. I found that when I take 5-HTP on a particularly stressful day, and I'm a CEO, so my days are back-to-back meetings and I found that it actually really helps me cope with that stress. And also, it helps me later get better sleep at night. I measure my sleep religiously with an aura ring. So, I'm very conscious of my sleep activity. 5 HTP has become one of my
0: favorite supplements. Let's talk about zinc. What do you say about zinc? Yeah, somebody's asking about L-theanine too. I want to circle oh, back yeah. on that in a second. So we have that. We have
1: L-theanine here. Let's go to L-theanine, then we'll come back to zinc.
0: Well, real quickly, zinc is responsible for hundreds of different biochemical processes, many involving healing, many involving immune system regulation. And your immune system is actually, when we talk about the immune system, it's so, again, tunnel vision. We just think about sickness, you know, but it's really just a process of healing. This current virus has a tropism towards the lung tissue, and the immune system is trying to heal that related inflammation, right? So zinc is involved in that. Now let's jump to L-theanine. And I talked about this in Eat Smarter because it's so important, so powerful. This is one of the things that makes green tea remarkable is that it also has L-theanine, which by the way, this is a very unique amino acid and it's able to cross the blood brain barrier. It's one of those things that the brain allows express entry and it's able to increase. And this is what I was talking about earlier, increase the activity of GABA. So it's a synergy thing. Even the GABA that your body's producing endogenously, having L-theanine as a precursor that you can get from green tea or as a supplement makes GABA work better. So one of the things we see clinically is reducing anxiety and stress.
1: So yeah, L-theanine has been, when I'm having a really stressful day, right? I take L-theanine because I just don't like the taste of green tea. But Sean, I'm seeing questions come up and several people are saying, don't take GABA, take L-theanine instead. What would be your
0: choice? That's it. But there is a place for GABA as well. Everything is an option, but I'm a big fan of getting as close to the precursor as we can. Okay. Next, vitamin C. Okay.
1: Vitamin C, there's liposomal vitamin C, which is a liquid. You, You dissolve it in water. And then there's vitamin C
0: tablets. Your verdict, Sean? All right. One of our most prestigious journals, PLOS One, Public Library of Science, found that folks who are deficient in vitamin C are more likely to be at risk for sleep related disturbances so waking up more frequently during sleep and also decreasing their sleep efficiency vitamin C isn't just about one thing you know again it's this tunnel vision of seeing you know this is good for your immune system i've seen people coming in who've been struggling with insomnia for years and simply getting their vitamin C levels normalized helped to completely reverse their sleep disturbances right now this is not everybody it's not everybody's deficiency but also this goes back to our tenet of, it depends on the type of vitamin C. You know, there's many different forms. This is why I'm a big fan of food and very dense whole food sources of vitamin C like camu camu berry, amla berry, acerola cherry. These are great sources. Or we're seeing like 500 times more vitamin C than citrus fruits, for example.
1: But what about just dissolving a slice of lemon in water? You're doing this like three or four times a day, does that give you
0: sufficient vitamin C? Definitely not. Not today. This goes back to what Jack Canfield talked about. Every little bit counts, right. but our food is not as dense in right. these micronutrients as it used to be, you know? So you'd have to guzzle down quite a bit of citrus fruits to meet your body's vitamin C requirements. Yeah. And
1: that's the really unfortunate thing, right? If you've been watching some of the documentaries on Netflix about the food crisis that we're going through, the nutrition density in food is just getting lower and lower. And we really got to be conscious of this. We're becoming a significantly sicker society, starting with our food. Okay, next, the final one
0: is this omega-3s. <laughs> this is the one that I want everybody, if you're not doing this right now, to don't walk, run, and get yourself some omega-3s. And this is why. So, and I break all this down and Eat Smarter, this is very important. Some of the science regarding omega-3s and your metabolism is gonna knock your socks off, but I wanna just talk specifically for our cognitive function, especially for this community. This was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition discovered that increasing dietary levels of DHA specifically, Mm -hmm. this is one version of omega-3s, was able to improve both memory and reaction time in test subjects just within a matter of weeks. Okay, it works very quickly. This is one of the things that has express entry into the brain because your brain cells themselves, omega 3s, literally make up, they're called structural fats in the brain. They literally make up the brain cells themselves, giving them structure, giving them plasticity, and also signal transduction where your brain cells can talk to each other. And this is the most important part of this. This was published in the journal Neurology, all right, one of the most prestigious journals, if not the most prestigious journal in this subject matter found that, and they use MRIs to look at the brain to see what happens. People who had the lowest intake of DHA and EPA had the highest rates of brain shrinkage, okay? If you're not getting this in, this is not shrinkage, it's just like you're doing a cold plunge, you Mm -hmm. know, and you get a little bit of shrinkage. You can bounce back from that, all right? But this is the type of shrinkage that you can't bounce back from, all right? right? So there's this nuance here and this is why I want everybody to do this, EPA and DHA, these are the, quote, animal-based versions. So if somebody is doing a vegan or vegetarian protocol, I've got to give you some tips here. 99% of the clinical trials done on omega-3s is using fish oil. I'm a big fan of food first. Again, the Journal of Neurology also found that folks who had one seafood meal per week do, in fact, perform significantly better on cognitive skills tests than people who have less. So what do we do if we're doing vegetarian and vegan protocol? In my clinical practice, we'll just say 15 years ago, I would have people, everybody like chia seeds, hemp seeds, you know, flaxseed oil, that kind of thing to get their omega threes. I was missing the point. That's ALA, which there's value in ALA, but it's not the same thing. Your body is so hungry for DHA. It actually will swipe up and take any ALA you bring in and convert it into DHA if it needs to but you lose about 80% in the conversion process, depending on your unique metabolism. It's not efficient at all. You're gonna to have to take you know, bottles of flaxseed oil and chia seed oil to try to meet your needs. And you might as well move your office into a bathroom stall because you won't be able to leave very often. All right, so what do we do? So food first, then we move into fish oil, then we move into krill oil, which for people doing a vegetarian protocol, this might fit where you find ethically, Now, the word here that's used, and I think we can be careful about using this word, it's a microscopic shrimp. We're talking about krill, all right? Microscopic, which in truth, if you're swallowing and just licking the air, you're going to be taking out some sentient beings, all right? So you got to find where this fits in your ethics. The reason I'm saying krill oil is we've got peer-reviewed double-blind placebo-controlled evidence on its effectiveness, and the astaxanthin and krill oil makes the omega-3s absorb better. Let's move to a pure vegan option for folks here. This is important. I want you to at least do this. This is gonna be algae oil, all right, algae oil. There's a question that's emerging, which people are asking. Bunny
1: asks us this question in our chat. Omega-3, 6, or 9? There's some confusion there. We're what talking the- about omega-3s specifically okay. right Omega, now. So omega-6 and 9, is that something we put aside? Is that something we ignore? and we just focus on
0: omega-3s? Definitely, we can't ignore these, but we need to hammer this point home. Omega-3s, this is one of our biggest deficiencies. All right, so with the algae oil, I want at least folks to get algae oil because we know that the DHA and EPA is there. We have anecdotal evidence. We don't have much peer-reviewed, randomized control evidence. You need DHA and EPA to literally protect your brain against brain shrinkage and for your cognitive performance. So please, 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 do one of the above, get yourself a consistent source of DHA and EPA. Omega-6s are not hard to come by. They're responsible for many biological processes. But in our diet today, Omega-6s, through our evolution, we'd have maybe, we'll say somewhere around, I'm just going to give a big estimate, 10 to 1, Omega-6 to Omega-3. That's really stretching it. It's probably closer to 4 to 1. But today, many folks have 30 to 1. 50 to one, but on average, we're seeing somewhere around 20 to one ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. Omega-6s are more the pro-inflammatory omega-6s, but we need that. Inflammation is a part of being human, healing, running processes, Mm -hmm. but with the diet being so skewed and largely because of the omega-3s in these very highly refined processed, deodorized seed oils like canola oil, soybean oil. The list goes on and on. Quote, vegetable oil is not from vegetables. It's just marketing. That's really changing the ingredients that is making up humans today. So Sean, this has been so informative, but we're coming to the
1: point where we have to wrap up. So firstly, for all of you who are listening, Sean Stevenson, follow him on the Model Health Show. It is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite podcasts, and you are going to get hooked. As you can see, Sean is a man of science. Science and practice. And so you will learn so much about the science of optimal health. I love people who live their talk and Sean lives it. Follow him on Instagram. Sean, what's your Instagram?
0: I'm at Sean Model, S-H-A-W-N Model on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. And also check out the book, check out Sean's books, Eat Smarter and Sleep
1: Smarter. Now, Sean, we want to do a really quick recap for everyone. Okay. So I noticed that the two substances that you stressed most were omega-3 and magnesium. Okay. Is there anything else? If we have to pick like the top five, what else would you recommend are
0: non negotiables or maybe something I left out? So, yeah, we've of course covered magnesium. We've covered the importance, which the big one for everybody is the DHA and EPA omega 3s. But also, just want to reiterate the importance of meeting your body's hydration needs. You know, there's also this benefit with our metabolism, it's called water induced thermogenesis. And so one of the studies that I outlined in Eat Smarter is researchers took folks who had just 17 ounces of water just within a couple of minutes. And we see about a 30 percent increase in their metabolism, in their metabolic rate. And it's not because of the temperature of the water. Water makes everything work better. All of our neurotransmitters and hormones, all the stuff we've been talking about, they're all operating in a water medium. So there's magnesium, water, omega-3. What else should people ensure is on their shelf and ready to go? All right. Another thing, there's so much. So it's going to be personalized. And this is what Eat Smarter directs you to, is to understand your unique metabolism. But one of the things just coming up, because it's so important, and I'm not saying this because I'm an advocate for this. It's just the data exists. Earlier, when we talked about the blood-brain barrier, it's one of the things that's actually getting terrorized today with the way that we eat and stressors in our environment. Neuroinflammation is one of the biggest issues we're seeing. And you might wonder like, how's my brain inflamed? Or I don't think my brain is inflamed. Why doesn't it hurt? Your brain doesn't have pain receptors. Your brain is great at telling you your elbow hurts, but it can't tell you if it's hurt until oftentimes it's too late. But the blood-brain barrier, researchers at Auburn University found that this food I'm gonna share, oleocanthal-rich extra virgin olive oil, is able to reduce neuroinflammation and help to repair the blood-brain barrier. Again, that gets damaged via the intake of all these crazy processed foods, environmental toxins, the list goes on and on. So that's something else to add into your superhero utility belt. We could do a whole talk on olive oil. There's nuance there, the quality, all that.
1: Okay, those four things, right? Those are the four things that you would recommend. That's right, yeah. Amazing. Just for starters. Amazing. So, that is an amazing list. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Sean, thank you so much. And please check out the book, Eat Smarter. I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. Sean, thank you for being part of the Mind Valley podcast.
0: Thank you. It's my honor. <laughs>